Thanks for listening to this week's message. We want to hear what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Res Life Holland. If you have a testimony, please email us at info at To learn more about us or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on Facebook or visit rlcholland.com. All right, so it's good to be back. A couple of weeks we've been gone. Um, I was here two weeks ago, obviously, and then uh, we had Pastor Ryan here, and then last week we had Pastor Sean, so I thank those guys so much uh, for just coming and delivering a word to you guys. Um, Thank you, church for giving my wife and I uh, and my family some time off where we were able to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. It was awesome. I told my wife, we hit the double digits. I got two hands going now. So I think that is awesome. I want to climb that chain. I I see the 25 and 35 and some 45 uh, um, marriages that have been going that long, and I'm like, I desire that. You know, when I see an older couple hold hands or whisper in each other's ear, I'm like, man, I want that. So I whisper in your ear more, baby. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that we, it's not just a milestone. It's more of, we were just celebrating it. And so last week we were able to take my family out. I put some pictures on Facebook. But we went to Ludington. We took, uh, went to Grand Haven. We went to this place called Rosie Mound. Anybody familiar with that? It's a trail. It kicked our butt. I'm just saying that right now. It really did. But my kids had fun. I loved it. Uh, it was just a great time just to celebrate and rest with my family, to see my kids. And um, during those, uh, that time off, uh, Madi and I really had some time to reflect on our journey. Um, I'm going to try not to get emotional here. Uh, but but I, we were able to reflect on our journey. And I was just looking at the 10 years that I had with her, um, even looking at our life before that when we were in high school, uh, she's my high school sweetheart, if you guys did not know that. And so, um, yeah, I swept her off her feet. It was awesome. <laughs> no, but here, here's the thing, though. We were able to reflect on our journey, and looking at my wife and kids, um, just seeing how they're being brought up, uh, looking at my friends and my family. Um, I'm grateful for my mom and my stepdad and my dad, who's doing very well, by the way. Thank you for your prayers. Um, and my grandma, who's doing amazing and walking around and asking questions about the Holy Spirit. I think that is just amazing. So uh, it's just an awesome thing. Uh, but I'm looking at that, and I was reflecting, and I'm blessed. And then I started looking at another thing, and I was looking at my church home or my home church. I was looking at you guys. We've been here for 12 years. I, I accepted Christ for the very first time in this room. I was sitting on that back end over there, uh, fresh out of high school, and I raised my hand. And a lot of you guys know my testimony. A lot of you guys were there that day. And I just came, and I'm like, I want Jesus. And just since then, it's just been, it's just been, a, been an amazing journey. But we were able to reflect and, and pray. And, I, and, I, and, yeah, there was a lot of ups and downs. You know, and Life's not easy, and I think you guys can testify to that. But as I was reflecting, as Madi and I were reflecting on our, on our journey and even talking a little bit about our future and, you know, having these uh, goals in life or whatever with our family, even with our children, um, I started seeing what God was doing in my life. I started seeing God's work. It's still working, okay? And you guys as well in your personal life, you know, God's, God's doing a work in us, in all of us. And the one thing that really popped out to me as we're walking uh, through Rosie Mound, and I was looking at just all the stuff that God created. Uh, I was looking at Lake Michigan. When God does work, he puts quality into it. Amen. When God works in your life, he puts quality into you. And can I confess something? I missed it. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I knew God was about quality work. But sometimes we reason things through our minds and we start looking at the quantity side of things. 
what I can do to produce, what I can do, and maybe for the good cause. I mean, we're looking at the kingdom of God here, right? We're talking about doing stuff for Jesus Christ. But when our main focus is on the quantity versus the quality, we're missing it. And I missed it for a while. You know, I, it's, it's good to have that passion and that desire to, to want things to grow. But remember, God makes it grow. You water, you plant. God makes it grow. And so when I was reflecting over that week and I've realized the quality, and I was talking to Marty about it, I'm like, man, God's been working so much. There's been so much quality that he's, he, he takes his time on me. He's very patient with me and for you guys as well. He's very patient because when he works, it's about quality, not the, the quantity of things. And again, I miss that. And so I was wondering, God, what are you doing here at Res Life? What are you doing at this church? What are you doing with these family members here? And that's what we're going to dive into. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for an opportunity to minister your word, Father. Lord, I just put my thoughts aside. Anything I need to reason, Father, God, that's all pushed aside. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Every word that comes out of my mouth may be from the heart and the throne of God. Lord, I just thank you right now that the words that are coming out of my mouth will minister in a hundred different ways to all of us, Father God, piercing our hearts, Father, as we open our minds to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all say amen and amen. So we're looking at the quality of things versus the quantity of things. And when I was looking at the story of Jesus now, through the entire gospel, you see Jesus coming to earth, and he's walking with his disciples. Okay, pretty easy. We see that through the Bible. But as Jesus walks with the 12 disciples, I started noticing that Jesus is about the quality and the spending time with his disciples, not necessarily about the quantity. You see, when Jesus walks this earth with his 12, he knew the multitude was coming, but he had to put the quality time into the 12 so the, so the quantity can show up. You see, the quantity is the result of all the quality. See, where Jesus went, the 12 went. There was a lot of alone times with the 12, but the crowd followed. The crowd followed. You see, I started noticing that Jesus wasn't uh, trying to aim for the crowd. He was giving time to the 12 because he knew they were going to aim for the crowd. He set examples. He set standards. He revolutionized this whole system of of how life should be. He raised the bar by being a, a savior that serves, a master that serves. He raised that bar, and he said, you go do the same thing. But it took time for him to, to, to walk with the 12 and do life with the 12. And when he put and poured and invested quality time into the 12, quantity just kept showing up. And it's still going on today. The thing is here, guys, is that, that you guys are in that same position as you allow God to pour into you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not embarrass somebody. I'm going to call them out because I'm so proud of them. Julian Lugo, man, I saw your, I saw your, your YouTube message. I saw your YouTube message of how about you pray to God and not worry to God and how we can mistake is that. Dude, you are reaching people because you're investing in the quality of your work. Good job. Good job. I wanted to raise my hand after that. <laughs> when you go to your work areas, when you go to your homes, when you go to with your children or your family, are you, 
looking at what we can produce in a day or are you looking at the time I can spend and, and invest in them and build relationship with them? Quality versus the quantity. I have a story. Back when I was in Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, this was 2006 to 2010, and when I was um, over there, I worked for four years, uh, we called it the Christmas light crew, okay? It was a temp job, it was a seasonal job that lasted literally from September to May, so it was perfect. While I go work over there, and then it was off, I, I was able to come back home to Michigan and spend the summer here. And I worked there for four years as a temp. Uh, first couple of years I was a temp, then I got a full-time position as a foreman. And from there, that last year, I became the supervisor of the Christmas light crew. And if you guys are not familiar with these lights, that are, or maybe I never shared the story with you guys, um, Christmas lights crew uh, was a team of, of 20 people that would come together, that we worked on the ministry at our church. Now, this church was big, and it had a lot of grass and a lot of trees and a lot of buildings, and it was a Bible school. And what we would do is we would um, get ready for the Christmas season by decking it all with lights, with Christmas lights. We would hit two million lights within three-month period, and then we would have to secure it uh, for a few months because obviously, you know, we had to make sure the lights were running, main, uh, maintenance, that that whole deal, and we would have like an all-nighter type of deal. So um, I worked there for four years. We would put two million lights. We came top five in the nation one year of uh, Christmas light display. The purpose of the Christmas lights was to draw people, unchurched people, to come to our church and check us out. And we were able to do outreaches and, and, and minister to these people while we were at the park. Maybe they're just walking out with their family. But we were able to do things and minister through Christmas lights. I mean, Christmas lights, come on. You know, and I'm all about Christmas, don't get me wrong. But to take something like that and share the word of God or share Jesus Christ, I mean, I thought I was genius yeah, I want to be a part of this team. And so we became the supervisor. I became the supervisor in 2009. And you got to remember, two million lights, that's a lot of lights. It's a lot of work. It's not just a, who's ever worked one strand of lights before? And you cannot find that burnt bulb or get that. Two million, guys. Let's think about that for a second. We lit up every tree from top to bottom. It was like, we would rent a, we called it the genie picker. It will boom you 65 feet in the air just to get the top lights and bring it down. Every bush, every building was just decked out with lights. So where am I going with this? My last year when I was there as supervisor, we came as a team and said, okay, we are on a zero-based budget right now. You know, we only have what we have right here. What are we going to do to make this happen? Well, we said, let's not worry about the hit in the two million mark because every year we're trying to just go higher and higher and higher and higher. And actually, uh, the year before that, we were at 1.75 million, okay? I kind of gave it away already. But the year before, we were 1.75 million. We started working on the quality rather than the quantity. And we started saying, okay, where's the most highest traffic during the season? We said, well, it's, during, it's through the park. And then they'll kind of drive around through the buildings and everything. But the park is the spot that they got to go. So we started pouring quality work into the park, putting the right display, the right color scheme, the right Christmas ornaments, the right, I mean, just, I mean, we, we missed it by one strand. We made sure we fixed it because we poured so much quality into the Christmas lights that we wanted people to come and be like, wow, this is awesome. And then we started working at the buildings. Okay, what works for this? We started pouring quality rather than just slapping lights up there. We said, let's make it look pretty. Let's pour into this thing. And we did that, we did that through the entire campus, okay, the whole entire campus. And the day of the Thanksgiving day where we did lit up, light up, um, 
we ended up hitting 2 million likes, not aiming for 2 million likes. And that was the first time in, in history that they hit that, that much. And I think they're going a little bit higher than that to today. But we hit 2 million for the very first time that year because we focused on the quality and getting the job done right the first time. You see, guys, when we uh, allow God to work in us rather than us trying to produce for the kingdom of God, we, go, we do quality. Don't get me wrong. That, that mindset's great. We have to have that, okay? But we have to allow God to invest in us in the quality of who we are, the quality of me and where we stand in our hearts. So I'm going to ask you guys a couple of things, all right? And not ask you, but also bring it up. But for us to have that quality time with Jesus Christ, for us to allow God to do quality in us, we have to have a devotional lifestyle. And I, and I say that with big words, devotional lifestyle. Not talking about a devotion where we do a 10-minute Bible reading because that's my duty and I'm a Christian, I'm talking about having a lifestyle that's devoted to Jesus Christ everywhere you go. Not perfection. We're not aiming for perfection because God is not one that's looking for, uh, 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 you got to look like this and act like this and talk like this. No, we're looking, he's looking for someone to grow and mature in him. That's what he's looking at. So we have to have a devotional lifestyle. Yeah, have your devotions in the morning or in the evening with your coffee because I will all the time. And if there's coffee, I'm there. But here's the thing. We need to keep that style going every decision that we make in our lives. And when we have a devotional lifestyle, the quality starts working within our hearts. You see, devotional lifestyle leads to quantity of people that want to be around you. You're being influential now. You start creating these little habits now that are, are catching people's eyes. And it gives you, um, it helps you even with answers. Maybe you're looking for a certain answer, but that devotional lifestyle, having God just work in you, you'll, you'll know what direction to take. It's having that devotional lifestyle. Now, quality time with God is also finding a solitude area. Having a solitude area. Jesus, the Bible says, withdrew from the crowds many times. You see it through the Bible. Crowds follow, but there were a lot of times where Jesus just withdrew from the crowds, whether it was on a mountain, whether it was in a boat, whether it was just getting away from the crowd, because he understood that we need to have a solitude time alone with, G with our, our Heavenly Father. Having that solitude time is, is getting that one-on-one -on -one with God, not trying to do three things at once and get with God. God wants us to himself so we can listen. I mean, God tells us to go into our prayer closets. To have a prayer closet. Now, I'm not talking about a physical closet. I mean, it's good to have a physical closet. Who, who saw War Room? I think that's what the movie's called, War Room. Amazing. Amazing and straight to the point. And I love that because it's that solitude time that that lady had. And what she, what she was doing with the other lady, I'm bad with names, guys, with the characters in movies. But she was doing the one lady with the other lady, right? <laughs> with, the, with the older lady, investing to the younger lady, she was investing and putting quality time into her. And what was happening, she was producing more. Quantity was coming. People were coming. A marriage was saved in the movie. See, when we go into our prayer closets, when we find alone time, a solitude area, it leads to intimacy with God. You see, when you're intimate with God, you're not intimidated by man. When you're intimidated by man, you're probably not intimate with God during that area. Intimacy with God knows which way to go, how to do things. He shows you. He speaks to you. In your prayer closet, it's not you with a prayer request. 
although that's not bad, but it's also us sitting down and listening. What is the Spirit of God telling me to do in certain situations of our lives? There's no distractions in our prayer closet. Find a solitude area. If you don't have one, find one today. Find a, a quiet place where it's just you and go withdraw from your crowd. Withdraw from the crowd of commotion in your life, the crowd of maybe of problems that we face in our life, the crowd of, of people that just want to uh, maybe hurt our feelings. And our, withdraw from that. Find a solitude area and listen in your prayer closet. Finding a solitude area is also, um, uh, what Jesus did was he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Life was heavy. Yeah, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man uh, during the walk when he was here, okay? And when life got hard, when he was looking at the cross, the Bible tells us that he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked God, take this cup away. But then he said, but not my will. Your will be done. When, when we withdraw from the crowds and we find our garden of a Gethsemane, when maybe when life just gets heavy and it's pressing on us, I've been there many times still, go to your garden of Gethsemane, your secluded area, and you'll find the will of God for your life. The way Jesus found, it leads to us finding that in our lives. So quality time is not just having a devotional life in a solitude area, but quality time with God can also help us build godly traits. Everyone say godly traits. Not just good, but godly traits. Not just fair, what's fair in life, but what's right to do according to the word of God. Now, some of the godly traits I want to share with you guys uh, in our lives, we can definitely apply it for. And some of us may face problems in life or people that might come against us because of our beliefs. But again, when you have that, those, those traits in your life and you walk and apply them, watch God show up in your mouth through your words, in your actions and your love. During calm times when it should be hard and you should be yelling. During peaceful times, he's, it's there. He's there all the time. And the first godly trait when we allow God to pour into us is to step up. Everyone say step up. In 2 Samuel 10, you see King David now, all right? King David sends his men to show sympathy to Hanan, king of Ammonites. Now, during, during this time right here, uh, Hanan uh, just lost his father. And he's showing, David wants to show sympathy towards him. So he sends some men to just, just to say, hey, we're sorry for your loss. We're from uh, David's uh, kingdom. And we just want to say, we're sorry for your loss. But Hanan takes it wrong. Probably was influenced, that's why. And Hanan and his men humiliate, the Bible says, humiliate David's men. Now, at that, at that time, I mean, shaving the beard and, and the garment and all that stuff, it, it, it's, it was something that they, they, they uh, followed. And the Bible says that they shaved half their beard of every man. They cut their garments and showed, revealed things that shouldn't be revealed and, and humiliated the people. Now I'm going to go in 2 Samuel 10, 7 and 12 and watch David and what he, uh, how he reacts to this. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army, the mighty men, be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. David's motive was God. 
David's motive was not revenge, and I'm just going to slaughter these guys because I have mighty men. David's uh, motive was, was God and God's people. He was ready to stand up. He stepped up to do what is right, not what is fair, what is right before the Lord. Now, you see this even in the first Samuel when David's a child. David was a, was a kid when he fought Goliath. I mean, I mean that, that story is pretty, pretty famous even to the world. They know about the David and Goliath. I think in the March Madness, they have a David and Goliath uh, match. Am I right or wrong? Maybe it's a different sport. I'm not sure. But David and Goliath is, is, uh, is a pretty known story. When he was a youth, he stood up because he allowed his heavenly father, his Lord, to have quality time with him while he was tending sheep. And during those facing the giant moments, he knew what to do. During this time where his men were humiliated, he still had a mind of God in it. And he wanted to do what was right. It all started, again, with spending uh, quality time with our God. That's when you see uh, yourselves do that. When you allow God to pour in you and you step up to the plate, maybe it's a, it's a rough situation. Maybe you have to defend somebody that, that, that just doesn't know. You find the courage and you find what you're standing for, integrity. Integrity, doing what is right. But not only stepping up, the other trait is speaking out. Speaking out on the behalf of Jesus Christ while we're here because you are the hands and feet of Christ while he leads us. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, but sanctify, or in other words, set apart, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready. Everyone say, always being ready. To make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. You have a hope in life right now. His name is Jesus Christ. We have a world out there that's very hostile to God. They will challenge us. But he says, do come back speaking up, speak out for the kingdom with gentleness and reverence. Speak out. See, when you allow quality time with God to be poured in you rather than looking what we can do, you'll have not just the courage but the right words to speak to people at the right time when they need it. Because God's heart is after those people as well too. He wants people to know him. His will is for them to all come home like the prodigal son. Quality time leads us to speak out the way God wants us to speak out, with courage. Number three is stand strong. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. In other words, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Those times when we feel mistreated, those times we're saying, man, I'm doing everything I can to do good, and yet it gets, it's, I'm not being treated right or I don't see anything happening, remember to stand firm, stand strong, because God is still on your side. See, uh, let's look at the armor of God for a second, Ephesians 6, okay? I, he covers us from head to toe with the armor of God. We have our faith in the word of God as well. One, one part is not covered. That's right, our back. Someone said it, our back. And that's because you weren't intended to retreat or turn back. Number two, he's got your back. 
So when he says you face these times when you're doing good and you're being mistreated about it, or it's just not going well at work or with your kids at school or, or maybe with family and friends, it's just hard to have those cookouts with them and be around them. During those times, stand strong, stand firm. Because there is a mission before you. But you have to allow me to put quality into you, not focusing the quantity. I mean, on a Sunday, <laughs> let's go reach the lost. Where are we at on a Monday when it got hard and it's lunchtime at work? And they're keep, they just keep talking, talking, and talking. What about Tuesday, Wednesday? What about Thursday when we're just tired and weary and we're looking towards Sunday like I just need a, a, a boost? He says, stand strong. Allow him to spend that quality time with you so you can stand strong. But not only that, number four is stay humble in the process of all this. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says, do not, or sorry, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Stop there for a second. Value others above yourselves. When Jesus and his disciples were walking, and before he went to the cross, Jesus did something here. He flip-flopped something. See, when they were gathered together, knowing he's a master, he came and he washed his disciples' feet. They wouldn't allow it. No, 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 no. You're, you're Christ. You're, 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 you're Jesus. We need to wash your feet. He says, no, let me leave you an example. Then he says, go do the same. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset of Christ. And I love that verse 5 because he says, in the relationships. You see, you're aiming for relationships. The kingdom of God is relationships. The body of Christ is relationships. So that person that might feel like there's no hope there, God wants you to find and seek that relationship. Maybe it requires you to put quality time into them. If he left the standards and he raised the bar, he wants us to do the same. Maybe we should be that uh, person to spend that quality time with them. Watch God do the growing when we focus on the quality. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Put others first. And the last one is serve the king. Everyone say, serve the king. king. See, Jesus left us a standard, and again, he washed his disciples' feet. But when you look in Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness, and all these things will be added. I love that because he, he prioritized things. It's good to go ahead and go out there and do the works of God. But he says, first seek me. First spend time with me. First be with me. Martha and Mary, sisters, they were, they kind of, or Martha more had the, the issue with it. But Mary understood that I needed to seek Jesus before I did anything else. Mary, uh, Martha was about the preparations of serving. Great attitude, but, but priorities were not right. Jesus says, seek me first. Come to me first. Find a secluded area. Pour into, let me pour into you. Withdraw from your crowd. How about this? Oh, I don't have it on me. Withdraw from your phone. Put it down for a second. Get off Facebook for just a little bit. Get that secluded area. Seek me first in everything. 
And then, I love that, and then, all things. And then you're able. And then. Everyone say, and then. It's just fun to say. <laughs> Mark 10, 45, and I'm going to leave you guys with this one. For even the Son of Man <laughs> did not come to be served, but to serve. That is our example. And to give his life as a ransom to many. Why do we pursue the quality of things? Why do we have to be patient? Why do I have to find a secluded area? Here's why. Because there's a greater reward that we are chasing. There's a greater reward that we're pursuing. There is a kingdom that needs to be advanced. See, my, 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 my title's here. Okay, lead pastor, yeah. But the Lord tells me to equip the saints, you guys, I want you to understand that this should not stay within the four walls. This needs to go out of the four walls into our worlds. Pastor Danny and I were talking just a little bit about being the salt of this world. And I'm, you know, he's going to preach second service. But being the salt of the world uh, brings an impact to this world. It, it preserves it. But I was watching something on Netflix. Uh, it was a documentary on the Titanic. Okay, I wasn't watching the Titanic movie and Jack, let, I'll never let go. I'm not talking about that. I was watching a documentary on the Titanic, and they had said one thing about the ocean that they were in. I don't even remember what ocean it was, but the ocean that they were in. Atlantic? Uh, yeah, thank you, Sean. <laughs> they said that water was so cold that if it was fresh water, it would be frozen. But it wasn't. It was flowing, moving. And the reason why, and I just heard it, is because of the salt that was in the water. That salt kept the water flowing. I mean, it was ice cold. People obviously were dying from hypothermia, and it was just, you know, you guys know the story about the Titanic. But what I'm trying to say is this. The salt is what kept the water flowing and not freezing it. You, the salt of the world, when you allow God to, to spend time with you, when you find a secluded area, when you have a devotional life, when you seek those not good traits, but godly traits so you can step up and speak out, stay humble, pursue and serve the king, <laughs> you're letting the spirit flow I like this dance this is called the spirit flow dance <laughs> because you have been called the salt of this world and when there is ice in someone's heart let the spirit flow baby what does ice do what does salt do to ice melt it let the spirit flow everyone do this let the spirit flow there you go <laughs> Quality versus quantity. It is great to have that desire to grow things, but you don't make it grow. I don't make it grow. Okay? God makes it grow. Focus on the quality, quality of things. Focus on pouring into the person that are people that are in your life. Focus on the hearts for them to serve the king. And watch their heart grow. And the crowds will follow. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head.